I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Wednesday, July 24, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. And whatever adjective you would like to use for this market, you can do it using this methodology. This market is, insert descriptor here. Some of you will have descriptions like bullish, unbelievable, new highs. Others may use descriptors like redonkulous, stupid, fake, fed-induced, overbought. And here's the deal. They're all right. It doesn't matter. Price is the absolute arbiter. We've discussed this before. What we've also discussed is the fact that the market is bullish until it's not. We're above all the moving averages. There's nothing technically wrong with this market. It's a broken record, but I say it every single night for a very specific reason. It is a truism. Let's cut right to the chase. Everybody that participates in the market is aware or will be aware by Thursday morning that the ECB is coming out with some kind of money-easing policy, interest rate decision, slash something the market is looking for. Comes out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, unless something's different tomorrow, that's usually what takes place. The market could go in either direction. You can get acceleration in the northern direction. You can get a quick sell-off just the same. Let's discuss numbers for a moment. On the upside, where could they or would they be headed? How much more upside is there before somebody really throws a flag? For now, all we really have to go on is, and these are a little bit rough, but SPY 30325 to 30425. Could it be higher than that? It absolutely could be higher than that. But that's the rough estimate of where they could be headed in the short term if, in fact, they do continue higher in the short term. This is good for, like, the next day or so. Where does that number come from, and is it magic? No, it's not magic, and it's made up out of whole cloth. Let me explain. I'm going to use the S&P E-mini contract to explain this one. Look where we are. It's the same as the SPY. We're at 30.21.5. I'm looking for 30.50. Could it come up 5 or 10 points short or go over by 5 or 10 points? But 30.50 should be a natural area of overhead resistance. Why? And why do I even call it overhead resistance? How can there be overhead resistance at new highs? How do you know where the sellers are going to show up at new highs? Some of you have fancy methods. We use extensions and all that fancy schmancy stuff. I don't use that because personally, I don't think it works. I think it works once in a while. And because it worked the once in a while, we get under the assumption that it works. I don't think they work enough. Leave it at that. So where do I come up with 3050? Well, here it is. It's halfway in between 3000 and 3100. It's not magic. And I'm not suggesting you go stone cold short the market at 3050. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if the market's going to continue up in the immediate future, 3050 is a pretty good logical common sense target. It's not based on 
technicals to the penny or to the number or to the tick. It can't be because we're at new highs. You can't know where the market's going to stop at new highs. Somebody out there thinks they know. I get all that. But the reality is I'm not going to pretend to know. Let's change lanes for a second. And I want to go on to a topic that we think about in the mornings if we're trading the market. If we're trading stocks during earnings season, for example, the morning gap trades or stocks on the move from inside the numbers, if we're keyed in on earnings season, you might be able to appreciate this. I do this one from time to time, maybe once or twice a year. We've done other versions, but here it goes. Let's just put up the Apple chart while we discuss earnings. Everybody knows Apple. We'll talk about earnings. We're not really talking about the Apple chart. But here's the deal. So there's a bucket full of analysts that cover Apple. Maybe it's 35, maybe it's 55. It doesn't really matter. What are earnings estimates? Earnings estimates are an average of all those analysts' estimates thrown in together, divided by X, and that's the number. How they arrive at the number is a mystery. They'll tell you they have a formula they have whatever information they want to believe they have that goes into that formula. In the end, they actually, in my opinion, this is strictly an opinion, I think many analysts adjust the number closer to the mean, having nothing to do with their formula, whatever it is. So let's get back to the earnings release. So let's say company A, in this case it's Apple, releases their earnings report. They have a revenue number, and then they have an earnings estimate number. They either miss or beat on either one. Now, here's where the story kind of gets turned upside down. What the media will say is Apple beat or Apple missed its earnings expectations. My question for years has been, why doesn't the conclusion sound something more like Apple reported earnings and analysts missed their analysis by X? Why does the company miss an analyst's guess rather than the company reporting earnings and the analyst is either right or wrong? Why is the company a miss or a beat? How come the analyst isn't right or wrong? You never hear that. Why is that? Because it's a self-policing business. That's why. Here comes the curveball that's right at you and then it breaks over the plate. Let's switch over to inside the numbers Stocks on the move. This one's going to be easy. Real quick, you can see entry hit column, second one from the right. The top four, entry hit, yes. You don't even need to focus on the numbers. We'll take care of that on the charts. Then the next one, we had a morning gap trade, IRBT. We'll take a look at the chart of that one as well. I won't bore you with the commentary and the important numbers. It was much of the same routine. We knew where they were right. We knew where they were wrong. They're bullish until they're not. It's a broken record, but it keeps on playing over and over and over again. There are traders making money. We're going to need to reuse the word redonkulous on some of these trades, but in a very, very good way. Anthem. It was on the list at 285.24. Hit the number, spike through it. It's a big stock at a big price, so it looks like it spiked through by a lot. But if you just divide this by the average price of a stock, let's say 30 40 or $50, it spiked through by 40 or $0.50 cents in comparison. And how about this? Just minutes later, already at a high, 292 38 
That was by 10 a.m. in the morning. We had Thermo Fisher Scientific, TMO. This one was on the list. The price was 278.75. The low of the day, 278.52. The rest is history. I don't need to show you the numbers. It closed the day at 288.36. Again, repurpose Redonculus. How about Cat? We had a couple of entries on Cat this morning, a couple of bucks apart. This one was a bit of a rodeo stock in the morning. It's widely played, widely traded. The rest is history. The numbers stand for themselves. Here's another one on the list. The Trade Desk, TTD, 236.85. Low of day, 236.80. Took off like a rocket ride with turbo boosters. How about iRobot, IRBT, 69.60, off the morning gap trade list. Low of day, 69 and a quarter took off to the upside. Here's a stock that was down over 20% at the time, yesterday closing above $89 a share. Sliding back in our lane, let's wrap up the SPY. There's really no need to look at any other charts. I see six of them as we speak on another screen. They're all doing the same thing. They're all pointed up. They're all above all their moving averages at new highs, There's nothing to do other than be a spectator and watch it go up if, in fact, you're not participating. The market will find a destination, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's Friday, whether it's next week. The market will find a destination and it will come back down to earth. But guessing what price and what day is just not a business I found to be fruitful. Now we're going to switch over into Camp IWM. I would have to say the IWM got a little excited today. What's going on? The same thing that we've been discussing every single day after day after day. I don't know how many times we had the same discussion. Maybe it was a baker's dozen. This is a bull flag pattern. It's going to either collapse and release the energy in the lower or southern direction, or it's going to do exactly what it was showing us that it was setting up to do and break into and above the trend line that we've been discussing as being extremely important to the market. Is it important on the daily chart or is it important on the weekly chart? Ah, almost forgot about the weekly chart, did we? Now, they may both be telling us the same thing. It may be breaking to the upside. It is breaking to the upside, but it has to close Friday above that trend line, or nothing doing. So we need a couple of days on this one. Let's check out a couple of other items that are on the chart. 23, 24 million shares against an average daily volume of 17.5 million shares. That's buyers. That's a market that was coiled up right in here. It was coiled up like a spring, and it was either going to implode or it was going to spring to the upside. Today was the day. The IWM was up 1.65% against the SPY that was up about one-third of 1%, leading to the upside. If you've been here for a while, what was the number that we discussed as being resistance for the IWM? It was 158, but it was before we got to 158. Is 158 likely to be resistance again, or is it likely meaning the IWM, to have built up enough energy in this coiled-up situation here, getting above and now blasting off well above 
all the moving averages, do you want to take that chance at 158 for sloppy seconds? And the answer for me is no, not after a day like today. This is not necessarily, in my opinion, an ending move today in the IWM. That's the 80-20 rule. Under normal garden variety market behavior, this is very, very bullish. But you still have to close the week above that trend line. What's above 158 other than 159? But what's the real resistance above 158? And I would have to say this double top over here, which is from the 6th of May, which comes in at 161 and change. So somewhere up in that neighborhood, if we're going to bust through this pivot high here at 158 and change, the exact number is 158.03, and you're still going to run into overhead resistance just a couple of dollars higher. That doesn't have to be long-term resistance, but it should be resistance nonetheless. How about the transports? They had a nice day up a half a percent, not really telling us anything other than they're in this channel or remain in this channel. They're in an uptrend on the daily chart. They're grinding higher, but this channel can take the transports depending on what time or how long it takes to get there. This channel could take the transports simply up to 11,000. So right now, if the bottom portion of the channel is at about 10.5 and the top is about 11,000, we're right in the middle. There's nothing to do with the transports. About Techland over in Silicon Valley, what's going on here? It's bullish. It's above all the moving averages. There's nothing wrong with the market. In this market and other markets, by the way, we wiped out the fugly day. I forgot to mention that in the SPY. The fugly day is here from the 19th of July, just the other day. We wiped out the fugly day, closed above it, closed at new highs, above all the moving averages. Everything is fine until and unless the market reaches at least an interim destination and at minimum for a couple of days has everybody believing another top is in. One of them will be a very, very important and meaningful top. The problem is we just don't know which one. People try, they guess all the time. Take the Elliott Wave guys, for example. How many tops have they called in 2019 alone? If I had a penny for every nonsensical ending wave, this, that, and the other thing, I'd have a bucket full of pennies. If the financials are strong, the market is unlikely to be going in the southern direction. We talk about this all the time. Look at the XLF. This has been going on a one-way ticket north ever since it closed above 2747. No surprises, no accidents, no coincidences. Broken record stuff, SMH. This is the exchange-traded fund that tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. New highs. Same routine. It's just over and over. It's the same thing. Let it go. Some of these charts are in fantasy land. Some of them might as well be getting into the tooth fairy business. But we're not here to judge. We're just here to read what the chart says. That's it. Here's the weekly chart. What do you do with this? You let it go until the chart tells you something different is going on. Keep it that simple. That's common sense. That's logical. That's the way you have to treat a chart like this. I realize there are traders trying to short these charts every single day. They're getting their breakfast, lunch, and dinner eaten for them. Don't be on that meal plan. 
Let's toss a few charts around the horn just to see what we've got. We'll look at a few of the names we know. Amazon, anything wrong? Absolutely not. Finished on the highs of the day, tested the 20-period moving average, never even got but pennies below the 20-period moving average, and continues higher. It's a bullish chart, period, full stop. Apple, even with the antitrust discussions that were early this morning going around, they've been going around for a while, the big tech stocks are under fire. Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Google, there could be more, but it's natural for them to come under fire. It's the same thing that happened to Microsoft when they dominated the software market. There was a point in time when you either had Windows or you had Windows. There was a handful of Macs and other stuff out there, but for the most part, that was it. Well, the government clamped down. That's natural garden variety market behavior. Some or all of these companies won't look anything like they look today in 10 or 15 years. Not because of the government, Regardless of the government, they just won't look the same in 10 or 15 years. That's evolution. Sometimes it's in a very, very good way for shareholders. Sometimes it's not. Apple remains in an uptrend above all the moving averages until further notice. Netflix is a different story. Last week, Netflix got smoked. Here's the weekly chart, and you can see we found some support at the 100-week moving average. That's fine for now. But this is not a chart making new highs. This is not a chart breaking out. But it also doesn't have to be indicative of the market. Netflix has its own issues. It's facing tremendous competition from a laundry list of big companies that are now in the content delivery business. So Netflix won't look the same as it looks in the future, one way or the other. Google's an interesting case. Google seems to be trapped in here in between this set of moving averages, but it could be consolidating, could be building energy to push through the 100 period moving average. That's completely possible, and it's likely as long as we stay above the other moving averages. That's what I see on the daily chart. What happens when you switch over to a weekly chart? It begins to look like something different. It begins to look like Google can and may be trading independent of the market for a while, most likely as a result of those discussions about the regulatory issues. Regardless of the news, and who really cares about the news one way or the other, that's a bearish pattern, no doubt about it. Where does it turn not bearish? Closing weekly back above 1190. That would be the first order of business. That's a lot of points away, but that's what I see. We talk about that channel in the transports. Let's talk about UPS since it had a tremendous day up about 9%, almost 10 bucks on UPS. Look where we are. We're approaching a double top area. Is it breaking out to new highs? How important is that double top area? We can't see enough on the chart. We have to go on to a larger time frame. We need to look at the weekly chart and see what's what. That's a different picture altogether 117.29 is your bogey weekly closes above that number are bullish at least in the short run for this stock now i don't really care and most of you probably don't care about ups but what we do care about is getting our packages from amazon on time that's what we do care about but the other thing we care about is using a chart that we can learn from to the best of our ability 
and let me show you where I get that number from. I don't care about UPS. I care about showing you why this is important. And the fact that the market made a run for it already was unsuccessful. It had this enormous pullback, almost made a new low, but made a higher low. Now it's making another run for the breakdown candle high. Do we want to short that level or is it sloppy seconds? Well, just looking at the chart, I have to say it would really fall into the camp of sloppy seconds. If it was on the first run, it's a no-brainer. On the second run, it has to be in the sloppy seconds category. But here's the other thing. If it's breaking out above those numbers and it's going to keep going, are the transports likely going in the other direction? And the answer is no. So we're at a very important area or approaching a very important area on UPS. We can use this as somewhat of a proxy for the transports. Keep that number in mind, 117.29, and we'll see what happens over time over the near term with UPS. We'll play a game with UPS. And that's going to do it for tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.